congratulations, Marvin Rees, re-elected for a second term in Bristol. Good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Good, mate. Good, good, good. I would say it's a bright, sunny morning, but it's actually not. It's a bit cold today, but hey. Oh, is you... it really? That's good warning, because I was just about to jump on my bike. Yeah. But uh, there was a rainbow out earlier on, that's fine. Well, mate, that really nice coat, you know where you can't see the buttons? Um, that grey one, it's three-quarter length. I, I want that, yeah. but... It's nice. Yeah, I saw that in a lot of your pictures on, I think, on polling day, you were out and about. So, wear that one, mate. Thank you very much. Well, I had two to choose from. I sent pictures to my sister and she said, get that one. Yeah, it's nice. Thank you, Dion Reese, for the advice. Thank you, Dion. (laughs) So, congratulations, of course, mate. Of course, congratulations. I know there will be some that will be punching the air, would have been punching the air. Uh, when the results came out, and there will be others with their face in their cereal, extremely disappointed. Maybe even some of our mainstream media af- after getting it wrong. Have you had a good night's sleep? That's the, that's the first thing. Somewhat. I mean, to be honest, I, I tried to catch a Canelo fight on uh, Saturday night as well. So, um, and the Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, so that took off some time, and then I was out again. And on Sunday, or Sunday morning, I should say, Sunday morning, I was over at the camp for the councillors. So yeah, I'm catching up a bit, but uh, you know, I got a few things to do this week, and then I'll, I'll catch up next week, really. And of course, at times like this, there are your loved ones, your family around you, your immediate family, obviously. How was it for them in terms of when the results came in, or, or, or when they first knew? Obviously, hopefully, hopefully, the kids were asleep. But but when they when they all knew, what kind of moment was that for you as a family man? Yeah, it was very special. I mean, my boys were there, actually. Um, I had my oh, two awesome. young boys. And they, had, they had a couple of school friends there from Whitehall. And that was nice. Because, and I really like that, actually, that uh, you have 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids coming down to the camp, seeing the process in action, um, you know, kids from our end. So that was quite nice. Uh, but my, my family, my mum's obviously chuffed, um, yeah. really, because she sees all that goes into it. I mean, and there's so much, Pat, that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. And we are human beings in a very brutal process and it is democracy but it's like you know you're up you're doing hours the days pounding the streets and then um and then you can have a job or you cannot have a job and it is it's very it's very um stressful for people uh but and unless that, that's the way it works and that's the way it should work i guess a lot of people during the election, thanks for that, Marvin, a lot of people during the election would be in touch with us and they'd say, well, what will they do then? You know, what would, if Sandy won, would, would he still be CEO of Creative Youth Network? And if Marvin lost, what would he do as a job? Did you ever consider that? Yeah, yeah, I, I considered that. Um, you know, and you've, you, you've got a, a, you know, a list of potential options. Obviously, you'd, I'd take a few days off. Uh, I would hope I mean, so. I've, I've got involved in quite a few bits of work on migration and yeah. um, uh, city leadership uh, now. So I, you know, I'll, I'll do it as mayor. We'll continue with them. But those yeah. organisations out there who might be interested in having a chat. So yeah, and, and um, there's a documentary coming out later this month as well that David Dallasugo has made. Be on BBC. Just following me, following the year since um, since Colston got pulled down. So. Uh, uh, I'm sure that would, you know, spark a bit of interest in my, you know, potential. <laughs> so I'd have to, I'd have to way of uh, work out a way sure. of earning some money to pay for the bread, wouldn't I? You know. Mm, no, 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 no. Actually, and, and those are things that I, I guess a lot of people may consider but not actually realise. You know, on the. Uh, on a knife edge in terms of... I mean, the votes weren't on a knife, knife edge in the end. Um, you won, OK, with a reduced uh, majority, but it wasn't in its hundreds, it was certainly in its thousands. But I, I guess people don't don't consider the life of a politician, you know, after an election, what, what will you do? And all those things you have to consider for your family. How was 
the process of campaigning in the election with, with your political opponents, was it generally a respectful campaign, do you feel? Um, this, I, think, I think different elements of your opponents campaign in different ways, don't they? Um, so, you know, I'm always <laughs> frank with you about it on the show. Sure. I mean, obviously, there were some people's stuff pushed out that we've talked about before about, you know, me introducing an authoritarian regime and, you know, one of one of the political parties opposite was really trying to make hay about pushing it around their members. And that was, you know, it was all silly stuff, you know. Um, so so there are elements of the, the campaign you think are disappointing. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm always... Um, you know, and I've said this for a long time, frustrated sometimes at the poor quality of public debate. So people don't actually get to debate what the can- candidates are actually about. Right. Uh, and the complexity of the city. What they debate is what the opponents want people to think about you. And then sometimes a very limited understanding of some of the what passes as journalism uh, and their inability to get their heads around the issues. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's a real challenge uh, to... You're constantly thinking that, you know, well, have we managed to it kind of explain what's going on? You know, is it is it a headline? Is it a tweet? Is it, a, you know, a one minute analysis of quite sure. a complicated, um, it, you know, issue? How, so so that, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience to go through. I'll put it mildly, but you, you, we need more time to kind of get into mm. all that stuff, you know. Marvin, how, how frustrating is it um, for, for you or indeed any politician to read and hear stuff that you know is blatantly not true, but yet during... Uh, an election, people can say that stuff. And I, I've often considered, what would it be like, you know, your family, your kids, and ever, people can hear this stuff, right? And you as a human being have got to sit, be calm, be almost, you know, mayoral, presidential, however you want to say it. Uh, I watched during the debate on the BBC as people were saying things, and I thought, oh, what, you know, what's he going to say here? And often you've just got to, you've got to suck it in sometimes and say, OK, I'll just say my bit. Um, I'm not going to get involved in this ping pong and in insulting everybody because then you're almost fulfilling their prophecy, aren't you? Yeah, and that's exactly what I say. I've said it since the very beginning. Look, I'm going to say, I'm going to say something about what we want to do. They're going to say something. I'm not going to argue with you. There's up for people to decide who they believe. Right. And, and you know, you don't you don't argue people into positions, you know, by, you know, by bun fighting. I just don't think that happens. I think people respond to people. Respond to people. So once I've said my bit, then I finish with it. And I give a bit of advice that I give to my children as well. And I t- take it on myself. I say to my kids about going to school, if you, and I wish I'd known this when I was 10 years old. If people are saying things about you and it's not true, why would you even get fussed about it? Why would you even engage about it? Just leave it. Move on. But the difficulty in politics is that, you know, there's a consequence for that because you obviously ultimately depend on people not believing things that are not true. Um, but it's certainly an attitude I've tried to take because that's the only, place, it's the only place you can find peace. And if I was to run around trying to uh, douse every fire and every, you know, every, I, I, that's all I would do. I'd be chasing Twitter and Facebook and uh, so I just haven't got it. So you just have to focus on what you're actually about. Um, and then leave it to people to make the decision, and then ultimately people, um, you know, live with the consequences of the decision they make. You know, for, for good sure. and for real. Sure, thank you for that. And I think it's really, really important. I didn't want to jump in about, you know, if you like the political questions. There, there is um, a very real human side to what you do and others do as a politician, as as with us as broadcasters, and it's fascinating to, to hear that insight. So let's move on to politics. There are some people, you know, people that I, I know, uh, people like Afzal Shah, have lost their seats in the, in the, the council elections. Now, you know... There are councillors of different political colours. Afsel's someone I know 
personally. I, I don't think I've known a councillor work so hard on a daily basis. Right. You know, I'm thinking, Asa, what are you doing? He's standing by a load of blooming rubbish on behalf of the residents, waiting for them to come and pick it up in his area. He's, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's getting graffiti removed. Now, he's lost his seat. Now, OK, the voters have spoken, but for you, there will be some people and some colleagues that, that have remained and others that you've lost. How, how is that uh, for, for a mayor waking up and thinking, I could have had this person, you know, back in my cabinet? Yeah, well, I woke up this morning, I, I said to my wife, I feel a real pain at losing, um, you know, a number of councillors, including Asal and Kai. And I, and, and I think that, and I, I, did, I did say this to a Bristol Live report the other day, that I think what's really been missing in, in any political conversation in the city is any analysis that goes through the framework of race and class. And this is very dangerous things for me to say, right? <laughs> because it's very got a chip on your shoulder. Like, it's not. But I think the democratic problem in the city is not just the way that parties relate to each other. That's what you'll hear constantly. Oh, cross-party, cross-party. That is such a superficial understanding of democratic engagement. It's about race and class representation and the fact that historically our politics has been dominated by independently educated uh, young people and they're not very educated. And in Assal, in Assal, you've got a Pakistani man from a working class background from Eastern who's just been knocked out. And we have to see... Right. Some people will say there's a progressive vote, but actually, let's at least acknowledge that we've just lost a Pakistani man with phenomenal connectivity to Pakistani community and understanding, and who grew up in, in Eastern, not just with Pakistanis, but with black people and white people from the area too. With Kai, you have a you know, working class guy, union background, again, worked phenomenally hard around Redcliffe. Um, and so we need to, but that, that, for, that, to be honest, BCFM is the only place where we've been able to talk with any coherence, uh, you know, about questions of racing, you know, racing class. But, you know, it's like it, it, this conversation happens in an abstract when, when uh, we put out reports like running me, well, running um, yeah. on social mobility, but it doesn't land in the analysis that takes place or, or what goes on in Bristol. So I think for me, and I've done this since the beginning, and I'll continue to do this, we must deepen it and broaden the talent pool from which our leaders, our city leadership is drawn. That's the only way, or well, I'd say it's anyway, it's a key way to making sure that our politics will have, and our democracy will have the legitimacy um, it, it needs. Mm. Um, people can't have their understanding of what it means to be working class and poor just by, you know, watching Ken Loach films, you know, and then and, and reading, you know, some kind of interpretation okay. of Marx. Okay. You know, it has to, we need people with that lived experience. Okay. Um, Marvin, I read, I think it was on, on, on Twitter, it might have been on Instagram, I don't know how accurate or even close the analogy was, but it kind of it kind of moved me slightly to think about, and they were talking about Eastern, they were talking about a result of gentrification in the area uh, that now reflects some of the political results and voter apathy amongst uh, black minority ethnic communities. <laughs> how much has that played a part? We'll move on to the Green Party in a second, but how much do you think that's played a part in some areas of the city? I think undoubtedly population change um, will, will manifest itself in, in electoral results. Um, and again, I'm not, I wouldn't want to make any big um, statements about it at this point in time, Pat, but I do think that, again, thank you for raising it, that has to be a part of the reflection of what Bristol is. Um, is we are becoming more affordable, we are being gentrified, and that physical gentrification gentrification will probably manifest itself in one form or another in 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 electoral outcomes because it will determine who lives where and what those and what how that area expresses itself. Sure. Now that's not a condemnation of anyone who's caught up in the big process of you know of housing the way housing is done. It's just something, it's just a conversation the city has to have to fully understand itself. So it's not accusational, it's not opposition, it's not negative. It's just how do we understand 
you know what's happening in the city and, and what that might and the, what that might look like yeah. in various manifestations in what happens in our schools uh, what happens in our in our political system okay let's talk about the green party an increase in uh, seats for bristol and nationally as well there's been uh, an increase for them what does a future look like in a in, in in your cabinet will you now consider having greens in your cabinet will you work with the Greens, some have said that actually rather rather the Greens than than other parties because there appear to be more similarities in terms of um, political ethos. How, have you thought about this and discussed it uh, with your team? I've always talked about we've talked about uh, you know people have been in the cabinet from the party since the beginning because remember we did have a cross party cabinet. Um, yeah. But I mean we got to be careful about the, the kind of idea that there's that shared ethos. I, I don't know again. I need to see that people understand poverty. They need to understand issues of race and class. <laughs> it's a fundamentally, it's a defining feature of the way the world works. Um, so that's really important. There also has to be the ability to trust. You know, coming into a cabinet is a sign of trust. Um, and we tried that before, and what we found that we couldn't actually trust the other parties. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot to go, but we're not rushing into anything um, on that front. And remember, Pat, as well, again, it's just we keep stressing this. The way the, the way the city needs to be run, it's not just about the way the parties relate to each other, right? It's about the way the council works with the city and the city works together. Sure. So we get good outcomes when other uh, people are building houses, so we get the Z points. When the health service is working with us on mental health in a coherent way and working with the police, when we all rally around the one city plan, that's how we begin to get the outcomes uh, Bristol needs. Um, so there's a big theatre in Bristol City Council, but we and, and it's very symbolic and and it has significance. But it's not necessarily the defining feature of what determines life chances in Bristol. Bristol's future is determined by the extent to which all those key institutions can actually work together for shared outcomes. Okay. Now, would you say, Marvin, that with the rejection, uh, a quite a major rejection of the candidates for mayor that wanted to scrap the mayoral system, that that actually uh, is a rejection of the, the notion that the mayoral system should be scrapped. And if we move on to that, in the past, in local authorities where you've had, you know, an equal amount, 24-24, actually part of the reason the mayoral system was agreed was because it would stop um, those blockages in, in, in planning uh, and decisions being made in local authorities in, you know, back in the day, and that the mayoral system is the perfect system... I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what others will say. The mayoral system is then the perfect system to unblock all of that political debate and get things done. That's your phrase. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we don't... The mayoral system still doesn't control planning. I did, this is part... Of, I said to one of the candidates who was arguing for the abandonment of the mayor, I said, you can make a good case to... You know, you can make a good case about the negatives of the mayoral system. You're just not making them, you know, because it was all, it was a silly argument. It was your authoritarian, you got all the power. Sure. By definition, the mayor does not have uncontrolled power. Licensing isn't in my hands. Yeah. Um, planning isn't in my hands. We've, we've got Ofsted all over us. So it's, it was a silly, um, it was a silly argument. Um, but I think the key thing that the mayoral system offers, that there's two key things I would point to. Well, a number of key things. One is visibility. How do you hold leaders accountable if they're not visible? And the mayor, the mayoral system makes a makes a leader very visible. So you know who you're going to phone Pat, right? And you're going to you're going to give me a, a tough time. Um, the second thing is it offers consistency. So we had a turmoil in our leadership where where the political leader would change every year. Um, so you know now we've had five years of stable political leadership. Now we're going to have eight years of stable political leadership. That allows that 
uh, that allows that consistency, and that was that was massively, um, you know, important. And it also allows the political leader to face the city rather than continuing to court the councillors. Now, the councillors have a role, but I think what could happen is because the leader could be turned over every year, they'd have to constantly court and play political games in the chamber. That takes their attention away from actually working with the city. Now, there's obviously a, a line across the way that goes too far. You'd still have to work with the councillors, but actually, I think in the previous incarnation, we went too far the other way, where all the leader had to do was constantly make sure they were going to get voted in by the councillors every year which means that the power is taken away from the city to influence the political leader and put into the hands of councillors. That's not always a good thing. What do, you, what, what do you say, Marvin, to those, and you know, we've seen all sorts of things uh, written, that the one city approach in that sense is uh, penetrating areas of the city that have never been <clears throat> excuse me, penetrated before and, and, and therefore you've got um, new ideas and new views that are more representative. But people will say, well, hang on a minute. These are people that... Marvin and his team have kind of appointed uh, in this whole one city approach and not the councillors. So some have made it an argument into, well, it's councillors versus this whole one city thing. Or is it all of it? How, how do you answer that? Uh, a number of ways. One is it's just flat not true. <laughs> it's, again, it's people who don't bother to do their research. So the idea that I'm doing all the appointments to the board is nonsense. So take the Environment Board, for example. Right? Bristol Green Capital Partnership wrote the job description Ran the, ran the recruitment process and made the appointments. I didn't, they didn't get involved in a single appointment. So you have to go against Green Capital Partnership. The Culture Board, the same. Nighttime Economy Board, exactly the same. The Health and Wellbeing Board was a statutory board that was already in place. I don't appoint people to it. So it's absolutely not true. Um, secondly, on, on the point of people being appointed to boards, there's a big, there's a big hoopla at the moment about citizens' assemblies, right? How do you think citizens' assemblies aren't elected? Right? People apply and then they, they get they get selected, they go for an interview and they get put on them. Now, people are saying that citizens' assemblies are, are the vanguard of a new kind of democracy. Right. Well, it's exactly the same process that we use to, to put our thematic boards in place. So people are trying to have it every which way. So what they need to do is actually understand uh, the way it works and understand, too, that those big institutions that now sit around those boards, universities, they were making decisions anyway. Right? It's just that they were making decisions at a distance. Now, the decisions they make are being sharpened by interacting with other organisations in the city, housing associations, you know, right. voluntary sector groups, the yeah. police, health service, you know. So, okay. So it's all, it's all, it's, I think it's, it's more democratic, it's more engaging, it brings, it brings leadership into the light. Mm. Well, look, we're going to really look forward to talking to you over uh, the coming months and, and years. For those that, that did vote Green, and I'm not talking about the mayoral election, uh, I'm talking about within the council, and those waiting for some kind of decisions, what do they need to be doing to make sure that they can sit uh, alongside you and your team and help push Bristol forward and uh, as, uh, as you want to get things done? What, what, what should they be considering? So I've said from the beginning, Pat, that this new mayoral system is a challenge to councillors, yeah. right? Um, but then what you need is is to work out what skill set is needed to operate within this new new era. Now let's take it to a sports image, right? You you're, you were, you kind of played football, didn't you? You ran around. Didn't you, I right? tried, yeah, I tried, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you got someone on the pitch; they're screaming for the ball. But if they haven't proven their ability to, to play with the team and go in the right direction, are you going to pass them the ball? No, of course not. So what, what, we, what my point to the councillors is, great, tell me what you want to get done. Tell me what you're going to do for Bristol and we'll pass you the ball. That's the key thing. 
right? That, um, that we people need to turn up with a vision. So I'll give you an example of this where it's worked really well. Paul O'Rourke from the Greens joins up, says, right, let's reboot democracy, let's do a citizens' assembly. Paula's clear, she's not messing about, she's a straight shooter, I, ch- I trust Paula, and she worked with Asher, and they ran the citizens' assembly. Fantastic, we put money into it and they got it done. Yeah. But other people don't do that. They don't turn up and say what they want, and what they want to deliver for Bristol. What they talk about is, you know, questioning and so forth, and that's all very well. But we've got to realise that simply sitting in committee rooms asking questions is not delivering for Bristol. So turn up, turn up with a vision, what you want to get done, how you want to get done it, and what you need for me to help you do it. That's exactly the same criteria we we are we apply to everyone in the city, whether it be Andy Street feeding kids, Ed Debris, doing um, um, uh, yeah, Mark Pepper building a wind turbine over in Lance Western now. Say what you want to get done for Bristol, and let's have the conversation about what you want to get done, what you know, how you can make life better for people, and then we can talk. How about if it's just a political game? I've, I've really limited in my ability to engage in it. I get, I get that, Marvin. I get that. How, how about just finally, finally? How about those that want to scrutinise and say, well, actually, yeah, we agree with everything, but we still need to be accountable. We need to scrutinise um, whether it's costs or or bits and pieces. How can people do that without say without feeling they might fall, fall foul, if you like, of the administration if they want to scrutinise? They don't want to scrutinise. I mean, there's a lot of myths worked up around this, Pat. Um, That's and why I'm asking. I, I get scrutinised all the time, and it's fine. Yeah, right? I, I'm visible. I'm written about every day in the papers. I've got my mayor's question time. I've got full council where I take questions. I get two, two, over 2,000 emails um, a week yeah. come in asking questions. My, my team uh, process the answers. I go to cabinet. We, we had we had people saying there's not enough room for... This is this is something you'd potentially for one of your teams to look at. Sure. We've got people saying um, uh, that, we, that we they need more scrutiny sessions. At the end of our cabinet meetings, all last year, I was saying... Why have no councillors come to make any statements or ask questions about these papers we're bringing through? That we're spending decisions over half a million pounds, recommissioning their services, children in the care system. No councillors were turning up to cabinet. The only ones who turn up, fair plays, Clive Stevens, um, Don, Don Alexander, and then Paula would come. But if you go to the end of those YouTubes, you'll see they don't even turn up. So I said, hey, why do you want more meetings when you're not turning up to the ones that you can come to? Okay. So I, I think it's just a little bit of kind of self-responsibility that needs uh, to be uh, taken on. So look, we, look, look, this is a, while I'm very disappointed about Kai and Alsal, for me, this is obviously a very, very, um, uh, you know, incredible opportunity. Yeah. Our approach on the mayoral system has been endorsed by the city. Our scale of ambition has been endorsed. We are focused on building, you know, an inclusive city um, that, is, that is tackling the climate and ecological emergency. And there's one comment made that if I could just finish with that, or I'm going yeah. to finish in, but um, a professor, Sperlinger, uh, wrote a fantastic tweet. He said, but you see, the thing about Marvel's leadership it's more focused on uh, creating the conditions for hope than making uh, making hope possible than making despair convincing. And that's the, the approach we've taken, Pat. We want to make hope possible and not just try to make people despair at the world. You know, and there's enough to despair at. And that's our focus and that's what we're taking into this next term. Marvin, listen, I really, really appreciate you coming on to BCFM uh, this morning, the, you know, the Monday. I said to Ivan, we're not going to get him. You're going to have, you know, um, Radio 4 and BBC and everyone else. You, you came through for us, so that's well, appreciated. Mm. <laughs> oh, first, wow. My first weekday interview for Breakfast News. Right. Thank you very much indeed. And as I say, well, yeah. I, you know, our listeners are thankful as well for you to be able to uh, explain through stuff and be accountable as well. It's really important to us. Oh, we, 
We yeah. will talk more. But as I say, the people of Bristol uh, have voted. They've made their decision. Marvin Rees uh, continues as our Mayor of Bristol. Have a wonderful day. And uh, as always, uh, blessings to you and all of the family as well, Marvin. Thanks for joining us. All right, us. take care. Take Bye-bye. Care. Bye-bye.